At 7 p.m., I'm calling the meeting of San Leandro City Council to order. Today is Friday. Friday. It's Monday, February 5th, uh, 2024. Um, I will lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. Please stand. At this point in time, Madam Clerk, would you please take a roll? Yes. Councilmember Aguilar. Present. Councilmember er, yes. Council Azevedo. Councilmember Ballou. Present. Councilmember Bowen. Vice Mayor Simon. Present. Mayor Gonzalez. Present. Mr. Mayor, all members are in attendance. Thank you. At this point, we'll move to agenda item number two. We've got an announcement. I think Interim Police Chief Kevin Hart will be introducing some new personnel. Mayor and council members, it's my pleasure tonight to introduce you to seven new members of the San Leandro Police Department. Okay. <laughs> all right, I'd like to first introduce, all right, and they'll raise their hand when uh, when I call their name, but I'd first like to introduce Latanya L.T. McDaniel, uh, who is our new uh, support services manager. Latanya previously worked at the Sacramento Police Department as their public safety communication manager. She worked, uh, she completed her undergraduate studies at California State University, Sacramento, and earned her graduate degree from University of Phoenix. She has two adult children and is about to be a first time grandmother in May of this year. Congratulations. She enjoys reading and serving uh, at her church and by singing uh, in the choir. She is also a loyal, pains me to say this, a Boston Celtics fan uh, and a and a fan of Larry Bird. I think he's a basketball player. So I, I would also next like to introduce Officer Manny Rodriguez Vega. Uh, Manny previously served the San Leandro community as a communications dispatcher while working towards his lifelong goal of becoming a police officer. He's a native of Hayward, California, and a deep appreciation for the Bay Area. His, <laughs> he, his undergrad studies at Chico State and Chabot College centered around criminal justice, helping build a solid foundation for his career choice. Man is an avid or, uh, outdoorsman and enjoys fishing uh, with his family. He is a fanatical soccer fan and always supports his favorite team, SC, uh, SC Barcelona. Officer Stephanie Crothers completed her six-month police academy last Friday at the Alameda County Sheriff's Recruit Academy. Stephanie is a San, Lan San Lorenzo native and has two children ages two or two and four she previously served our country in the united states army where she worked uh, as a parachute rigger i thought was really interesting she completed her undergraduate studies at evergreen state college earning her degree in business she also enjoys camping and spending time with her family and her favorite sport team is the golden state warriors our next officer is we the win Completed his six-month police academy last Friday as well. Uh, we previously served the San, San Leandro community as a police service technician while working towards his lifelong goal of becoming a police officer. He graduated from Merritt College with a degree in criminal justice and while studying, worked as a loss prevention officer at Bayfair Mall. 
We was born and raised in, in Saigon, Vietnam, before immigrating to the United States in 2003. He's an avid car camper and enjoys spending time with his family. And I had the pleasure of meeting his parents who flew in from Vietnam for his graduation on Friday. Officer uh, Michael LeClaire recently graduated from the ACSO Academy as well. Uh, Michael was previously employed as an electrician. His hobbies include all things outdoors and animals, specifically spending time with his new dog. And Michael is a car enthusiast, specifically muscle cars. He is a native of Seattle, Washington, and his favorite sports team is... Seattle Seahawks. Public safety dispatcher, Audrey Taylor. Uh, Audrey comes to us from Stockton Unified School District where she taught U.S. history. Audrey has a bachelor's degree from, from Jackson State University and she did her graduate studies at Argus University. Audrey has six children, seven grandchildren, and she enjoys swimming, crossword puzzles, and singing. Audrey is also a loyal uh, Golden State Warriors fan. Uh, interesting fact about Audrey is she once worked as a news reporter, uh, and she is the wife of a pastor. And then certainly not least, uh, or last, excuse me, uh, is public safety dispatcher Haley Mason. Uh, Haley lives in Danville. She uh, previously worked uh, at the Guitar Center. Haley uh, loves to spend time with her golden uh, noodle named Penny, and her interests include playing the, playing the guitar, drawing, ice skating, and collecting CDs and cassettes. Haley is a loyal San Jose Sharks fan, and an interested, interesting fact about Haley is she once played on a travel hockey team. So, Mayor, this includes the, the newest seven employees. I will tell you that the they're all in different phases of training as the four officers. They just started their two-week orientation, and then they'll begin orientation and field training within the city. And then, of course, we our new supervisor, our manager of the dispatch center and communication center will oversee the, the, the new communication center as well as property and records. And then uh, also get her feet wet with this department after many years in another, another department. And then our two new uh, dispatchers will start their training uh, and already have. They actually have three weeks on the job now, and they're uh, learning their uh, how to work the phones and work dispatch. So I'd like you to introduce you to the top, the, the next seven of the San Leandro Police Department. On behalf of the city council, on behalf of the city, welcome and go do us proud. Hey, thank you, Mayor. Thank you, members. So at this point in time, I know that on tonight's agenda, we have boards and commission appointments, which require the approval of a motion. I'll come to you in a second. Which require the approval of a motion. They're scheduled right now at item 13A. I'd like to move this up in the interest of time and for the convenience of those that are attending, uh, that if we vote for them, we'll be, we'll be sworn in right now. And so as they're looking down my council, is anybody opposed to rejiggering that so that 13A occurs uh, immediately after the proclamation? I'm, I'm getting the head nods, so that's perfect. Um, the other thing that I'd like to do, Madam Clerk, is have you read your announcement at this time. If you would like to make a public comment during the meeting, you can do so in person or via Zoom. If you are present at the meeting, please complete a speaker card and submit it to the city clerk before the item is presented. If you wish to participate in public comment via Zoom, you can use the raise your hand tool when the item is called. During the public comment session, speakers will be invited to speak and they will have two minutes to share their comments. A countdown timer will appear for their convenience 
When the time is up, the microphone will be muted. All raised hands outside of public comment will be lowered to avoid confusion. Once public comment is opened, hands may be raised to speak. There will be a 30-minute window for public comments, which will take place under item 9, public comments, as per the published agenda. After this time is up, the council will proceed with the rest of the meeting's agenda. If you have not had the opportunity to speak during the initial 30-minute period, there will be another chance to do so after item 15, city council reports. Thank you. And Councilmember Bowen, I wasn't quite clear if you wanted to say something. Oh, yes, no. Now's announcement, so it's probably as good a time as any. Thank you, Councilmember Bowen, for reminding me about my microphone. Um, I just want to make a quick announcement. I will likely have to leave the meeting early for a family emergency. I'm going to try to stay as long as I can, but I have a toddler at home and I'm on standby. Thank you. So at this point in time, let's move to the, uh, our proclamation for Black History Month. And we've got Keyshawn Ward, I think who's a member of the Youth Advisory Commission here. There you are, Keyshawn. Come and join me in the front. I'll let you hold this part. We can read along, open and all that kind of good stuff. Okay, here we go. So whereas African-Americans have made significant contributions to the artistic, economic, educational, political, literary, religious, scientific, technological advancements of the United States and all facets of American life, and whereas the observance of Black History Month calls out on our attention to the continued need for community action to end racism, to extend mercy, and to develop equity for everyone. And whereas we honor the men and women of African-American descent, including past generations, who advocated for the ending of slavery and the enactment of civil rights laws, and to educators who answered people's calls for free mind, and to the ongoing efforts to press towards a brighter and more equitable future. And whereas the city of San Leandro continues to work towards becoming an ever more inclusive community, in which all residents are respected and recognized for their contributions to our community, to our state, to our country, and to the world, regardless of the color of their skin. Now, therefore, I, Juan Gonzalez III, Mayor of the City of San Leandro, do hereby proclaim February 2024 as Black History Month in the City of San Leandro and encourage the public to join in commemorating this important occasion in recognition of the numerous contributions made by Black and African-American communities locally, nationally, and globally. Um, thank you, Mayor. Thank you, City Council. I really appreciate you guys for the proclamation. I want to shout out my family in the back, my aunt, my grandma, my brothers, been part of the journey, been part of my political career. This is just the start. You know, and so I will be going to college very soon. I'm very excited to start my college and my political science degree. And I hope one day to be mayor of San Leandro. So, <laughs> so please, please, please. Yes. And so I've been doing amazing work in the Youth Advisory Commission, also in Social Justice Academy. And I'm also promoting our Measure J bond for our district. 
So please vote yes on Measure J. I've been helping without getting the outreach and getting the vote for that. And so, yes, thank you guys and have a nice night. So at this point in time, I'd like to recognize Council Member Simon, or now it's Vice Mayor Simon, apologies, Vice Mayor Simon. Thank you, Mayor. And uh, thank you, Kishan, for your role and accepting the proclamation tonight. I'd like to make a, a few comments. Uh, speaking on behalf of myself as Vice Mayor, and not on behalf of the whole council, as an African-American man, I wholeheartedly support Black History Month and would like to recognize all our African-American staff, our African-American leaders that have previously served on council, our African-Americans in our schools, as well as all African-Americans within our community, especially here in San Leandro, which has a long history of racism, including redlining, cross burnings, and other racist acts against African-American people. However, I am very disheartened what I see continuing to occur here in San Leandro the disparity from African-Americans to others in our community. For example, in our police department, as of January 31st of this year, there are only 10 staff that are African-American out of 110 in the department. However, I'm very glad to see the two new African-American staff that are brought on tonight. One of the few staff of African-American is our police chief, Chief Pridgen, that I believe was doing an outstanding job bringing in reform and transforming our police department to make our community safer. I am concerned as to why the investigative process into complaints against Chief Pridgen is now into the sixth month, which in my opinion, casts a cloud upon and raises suspicions regarding the progress of reforms in our police department. For the record, tonight, I am showing my support for Chief Pridgen just as I have at past council meetings when the chief was on duty. I am wholeheartedly in support of Black History Month in San Leandro. However, I have serious concerns about as what is happening in our city of San Leandro here and now, and specifically as defined in tonight's proclamation to develop equity for everyone. Thank you. So at this point in time, we will take the item 13A so it's a motion to appoint, appoint the board members that were nominated I think back in January to the to our commissions. We've got Jessica Bustos, Sydney Davis, and Sydney Davis to the Parks and the Recreation and Parks Commission. We also have Rosemary Picado to the uh, Senior Commission. So, uh, City Clerk, will you please introduce this item? Um, Mr. Mayor, before you this evening is a motion to formally appoint the nominees to Recreation and Parks Commission and Senior Commission that Council approved at the January 2nd, 2024 Council meeting. I'll entertain a motion. So moved. Is there a second? Second. So I've got a motion from Councilmember Ballou, a second from Councilmember Aguilar. I am supposing that there's no clarification sought. Is there any public comment on this item? No, there is not. I'll close public comment and move on to our vote. Please vote.
Mr. Mayor, all votes are in. Motion passes 6-0. Okay, so what I'd like to do is move on to our consent calendar. Oh, Mr. Mayor, sorry. We're going to ask the appointees to come up and... We'll do their swearing in right now. Let's, them in. We are efficient here. Let's get it done. So we're going to have our three, if all three are here. Please take care of that. So first, I'm going to have everybody raise your right hand. And then if you want to hold the microphone, then you're going to repeat after me. I do solemnly swear. I do solemnly swear. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. And the Constitution of the State of California. And the Constitution of the State of California. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That I take this obligation freely. That I take this obligation freely. Without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. Without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. And that I will well and faithfully. And that I will well and faithfully. Discharge the duties upon which I am about to enter. Discharge the duties upon which I am about to enter. Thank you very much for your service. So at this point in time, we'll move on to the consent calendar. Did you, yes, go ahead, uh, Council Member Azevedo. You might've walked out already, but I wanted to thank Rosemary Picado for willing to volunteer. She does a lot for our community. She takes care of a lot of cats and she helped me come up with the trap, neuter and release plan. And yeah, she's great. That's it. Okay, so moving to our consent calendar, item number four on our agenda. Um, is there any item that you'd like to pull? If not, I'll entertain a motion. Councilmember Aguilar? I'd like to move the consent calendar. Councilmember or Vice Mayor Simon, please. I'll second. Okay, so I've got a motion from Councilmember Aguilar with a second from Vice Mayor Simon to move the consent calendar. I'll take public comment at this time. Okay, Mr. Mayor, I have one public comment in person. Uh, Benny Lee. Thank you, City Clerk. Thank you, Council, for your service to the community. And also, I was very um, pleased to see the swearing in of our uh, new commissioners. Public service is very important. You know, the reason why I'm interested in re, you know, being reappointed to the Oakland uh, Airport Noise Forum. It's a very complex uh, technical form to serve. It's an area where you know I've served there for 11 years. I've done a lot of accomplishments, helped to reduce noise issues, and also uh, introduced new items that we're still trying to expand upon. 
I would like to be renominated, and I ask for that consideration. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Mayor, there's no more public comment. Okay, so I'll close public comment and come back to council members for any further discussion. Any item that you want to pull? Seeing none, let's vote. Mr. Mayor, all votes are in. Motion passes 6-0. Having approved our consent calendar, item number six is not needed. So number seven, is there any report out on closed session? Thank you, Mayor. No, there were no reportable actions taken in closed session, was, but direction was provided staff. So at this point in time, do we have either a city manager or city attorney report? Thank you, Mayor, Council Member, and community. I have a quick report. On Thursday, January 25th, a total of 48 volunteers, 15 city staff, and 33 non-staff joined the city of San Leandro to canvas the city and conduct the 2024 point in time census count of individuals experiencing unsheltered homelessness. According to the 2022 point in time count, there are 409 individuals experiencing homelessness in San Leandro on any given night. Of these 409 individuals, 312 are unsheltered and 97 are sheltered. Results from the 2024 point in time count are expected to be available early summer and staff will report back at this time. I want to give a special recognition to Elsa Castillo and Human Services for coordinating the count this year for our city. Thank you. Okay, at this point in time, we'll move to public comment. So this is comment where folks from the public can address us on items that are within our jurisdiction. Uh, but are not agendized. So for agenda items, you have to wait until the agenda item comes up. So this is for items not on our agenda. As described at the beginning, we will take 30 minutes right now. We will then move on to the rest of our business. We'll complete the business of the council, and then we will continue if there's any extra public comment uh, at the after item, I think it was 15, if I'm not mistaken. Perfect. So well, let's take our public comment in person. How many cards do we have here? 15. We have 15 cards here. And what about online? Two. We have two online. Okay. We have three now online. Four, five. Five. Okay. We're going to begin in person and we'll then move online. John Lewis. I'm actually going to call a couple people so you know the order so you can prepare. John Lewis, then Serlene Grant, then Travis Castle. Uh, hello. Uh, my name is John Lewis. Uh, came here for, I understand you guys had a motion for uh, celebrating Black History Month. I just wanted to read something really quickly. Uh, there was a slave girl back in 1861. She uh, wrote a letter to Abraham Lincoln. Um, Dear Mr. Mr. President Abraham Lincoln, my mom once told me that I will know when the world is coming to an end. She says Armageddon is near when smoke paints the sky, when thunder Booms loud enough to shake the trees when fire lights the sky. Mr. President, just three days ago, a day clean, I truly believe the world was world did not have much time left. She goes on to talk about that. President Lincoln then writes her back and says, I received her correspondence and read it with great interest. I will do my best to answer your questions. Indeed, a war has begun. This war's unfortunate unfortunate start was in, ignited when General Pierre G.T. Burard. Uh, Confederate forces attacked the U.S. Army base in Fort Sumner in Harbor, Harbor, Charleston. 
Um, he basically goes on to say, I wonder about your abilities to articulate so precisely your command of the written word shows you have been well-schooled. Uh, though she was a, a slave girl, she did practice reading writing. Um, I'm running for uh, Alameda County Board of Education, and my main point is that uh, our kids are falling behind in reading and thus writing and thus uh, arithmetic. So uh, I just wanted to say that uh, we have to uh, put a precedence on that and catch our kids up. Uh, and I thank you for your service to the community. And uh, hopefully uh, the public will vote for me. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you. Darlene Grant, Travis Castle, and Jackson Peterson. I'm sorry, is it two minutes or three minutes? It is two minutes. Okay. I prepared for three. Um, hi, everyone. I am Serlene Grant, and I am representing Unity in the Community tonight, and myself as a San Leandro resident, who in the early 90s was stopped by the police for no reason within sight of my own home. As a former city council member and as a participant in the community panel that interviewed this city manager, I'm going to be personal tonight because this is personal to me. Chief Pridgen has been on paid leave for just short of six months. Why? The city manager dodges the question by saying it's a personnel issue, and it is, but there are ways you can at least let the community know what's up. The city clerk's office responds to a public records request by saying there are no records available. So what is going on? And if there was glaring misconduct, some, someone would have been glad to tell the story because that's how life is and send the chief on his way. But we haven't heard anything, and we believe that there is nothing here but the desire of people to keep things the way they have always been. Cut the charade, stop the concession, and do what is right. City council members, you direct the city you can direct the city manager to reinstate the chief so we know we have the leadership that we asked for. When did we ask for it? In 2020, after so many incidents came to light, the then city manager and the city council approved training by OIR. In spring 2021, during the interview process, community leaders in the room approved this city manager because we believe she would bring the change we wanted to see. In April 2021, the city manager, this city manager, appointed Chief Pridgen. In April 23, this city manager and the city council endorsed a renewal of the contract for a number of years, yet six months later, he is put on leave without any public statement as of why. Council members, the city managers works for you. The city manager and the city council, you all need to support the vision that you were hired to implement. The gift to each city council is that with the majority, you can stop any program, you can change any policy. Thank you, your time is up. Travis Castle, Jackson Peterson, and Alexander Hampton. So if you found a genie's lamp, what would you wish for? Would you wish to help the homeless and create a mural that celebrates the success? Would you improve public safety, such as police and fire? Would you improve equality by creating a reparations program that provides continuous payments to the freed slaves, forgivable business loans, funding exclusively for minorities, all without taxpayer money? Or maybe you would take care of things internationally. Because human beings should be true like human beings. We can immediately provide aid globally from Africa to South America, take care of current needs such as food and water, anticipate needs such as medical supplies, 
And when the conflict's over, we can rebuild houses and hospitals so we don't add to the 30 million refugees worldwide. With the path of humanity, you do not need a genius lamp. You can have all the wishes. All you have to do is um, make this an agenda item. This program will generate tens of millions of dollars all without taxpayer money, without taxpayer money. So it's funded with the eight phase program. I'm a cover of phase one, sorry for the loud mic. So businesses choose what they would like to support. They get one of these stickers and they can have access on the discount card and people can participate in the program by purchasing a discount card for $20, which will save them thousands, hundreds to thousands of dollars by shopping locally. Rome wasn't built overnight, but it was built by Romans. We have to work together. This isn't going to be easy, but here's the good news. I am not a nonprofit. I'm a retired firefighter paramedic, and I created this program because I'm tired of seeing people dying. I'm tired of people suffering. It's much better to distribute stickers and discount cards than pink slips and eviction notices for failed shelters. Um, this program allows us to do things like never before, locally and internationally. Uh, instead of thoughts and prayers, we provide real change. What do you have to lose? My name is Travis Castle. I'm here to get shit done. This is your invitation. Join me. Thank you. Thank you. Ja Jackson Peterson, Alexander Hampton, and Steve Slauson. Good evening, respected members of the San Leandro City Council, esteemed staff, and valued members of the community. My name is Jackson Peterson, and today I'm excited to introduce Civic GPT, an AI-driven tool designed to optimize the city's governance and communication processes. For clerks, Civic GPT revolutionizes the way city clerks handle public comments. With its advanced AI, it automatically crafts tailored email responses to each comment ensuring personalized and timely communication. Moreover, it categorizes these comments effectively, making tracking and addressing specific community concerns easier. For council chambers, in, in city council meetings, Civic GPT's transcription feature is a game changer. It accurately captures live public comments as they're being spoken or emailed and creates an instant written record. This not only aids in maintaining transparency, but also eliminates the need for language translators which can cost a fortune. For city leadership, Civic GPT provides a real-time dashboard that tracks the pulse of this community. It offers insights of, into the issues constituents care about, aiding in responsive and data-driven decision-making. This dashboard is a powerful tool aligning city policies with the evolving needs and priorities of its citizens. In conclusion, Civic GPT is not just a technological solution. It's a step towards a more engaged, an efficient and inclusive city governance. Its implementation can mark a significant advancement in how San Leandro connects with and serves its community. Thank you for considering the potential of Civic GPT for San Leandro. I'm eager to continue this conversation and explore how we can implement this technology effectively. Following this council meeting, I'll be reaching out to schedule individual demos and answer any questions you might have. Thank you and have a great meeting. Thank you. Alexander Hampton, Steve Slauson, and Jenny Chang. Good evening, Commission and members. My name is Alexander Hampton. I'm a union representative at Local 713 here in Alameda County. I represent approximately 36,000 carpenters throughout Northern California and 4,000 in Alameda County. 
1987, I suffered a brain aneurysm, and I had to learn how to talk, um, walk, uh, everything again. Uh, 2007, I entered a pre-apprenticeship program, and I became a carpenter. Uh, believe it or not, my very first job was at the very same hospital that saved my life. Today, I'd like to talk about some of the struggles that construction workers experience on a daily basis, like in the city of San, San Leandro. That is why I feel it would be important that we need to start implementing language like apprenticeship, healthcare, local hire, and area standards. Lack of stable healthcare is one of the main factors that keep workers away from the industry, which leads to labor shortages in residential construction. In addition, local hire would help reduce the greenhouse emissions by reducing the miles traveled by construction workers. Apprenticeship programs are a proven escalator to the middle class by training tens of thousands of California residents every year at no cost to taxpayers. By implement, implementing language, language like this would help developers choose a re responsible contractor on future projects that are coming down the pipeline. It will, it will help elevate living standards in the city of San Leandro. Before I go, I would leave you with this question. How can our city, San Leandro representatives, better support the working men and women in San Leandro? Thank you very much for my time. Thank you. Steve Slauson, Jenny Chang, and then Deborah Lopez. Good evening, uh, Mayor Gonzalez, members of the city council. I'm Steve Slauson. I'm a candidate for Congressional District 12. I'm from the free speech movement at Cal. The free speech movement at Cal was in opposition to the war in Vietnam. The people of San Leandro have a long history of opposing American involvement in foreign wars. This is a request for the San Leandro City Council to issue a resolution demanding our government end all military aid to foreign countries, including Israel. You, I, and everybody in this room have been paying for the war in Gaza. Americans will not pay for the wanton killing of women and children. Again, this is a request for the San Leandro City Council to issue a resolution demanding our government end all military aid to foreign countries including Israel. Send the resolution to Senator Padilla, Senator Baxter, Congresswoman Lee. Thank you. Thank you. Jenny Chang, Deborah Lopez, and Wilson Nicario. Good evening, city council members and mayor. I am here as a concerned resident and community member of 21 years. Regarding our police chief police, Abdul Prajin being placed on leave. The reason given to the chief being placed on leave was a vague policy violations. Various sources and various sources have circulated that the investigation is complete, but the city or you guys won't or can't release the results. The investigation started all because Prajin wanted to hire a black lieutenant, racism at its best. I cannot believe that San Leandro is taking a step back into the history books and that I have to live to see a systematic racism growing its ugly head in both our city and the police department. How embarrassing. 
Let's stop the dirty politics and the pettiness. In these times when community trust in law enforcement is fragile, leaders like Chief Renard Fido, he brings a fresh perspective and willingness to challenge the, the status quo and build a more inclusive and effective police department, which is a necessary step towards the change we've been advocating for years. So I urge you, bring him back. Thank you for your attention. Thank you. Deborah Lopez, Wilson Nicario, and Bernard Ashcraft. Hello, everyone. This really saddens me that I feel I have to address this issue now or at any time. I never thought our city would go back to a time we experienced in the 60s. I know because I was there. Chief Pridgen took the helm at a very challenging time, marked by screams of reform, public outcries of how our police were handling things. Many thought they were racially profiling. When Chief Pritchett was hired, I read his experience, education, and background. He helped and fulfilled a very much needed bridge between the community and the police, introducing a positive culture change and fostering accountability, attending all kinds of events, rebuilding a very much needed trust between public and police, approachable, accessible, and honest, showing he cared. The public took notice. The decision to place him on leave despite his remarkable track record, critical juncture at the department stands and warrants a thorough examination on who and why that was done. Your city deserves full transparency and your public wants their chief Pridgen back in his spot that he belongs in. Thank you. Thank you. Wilson Nicario, Bernard Ashcraft and Robert Hertzfeldt. I come before the council tonight to speak on behalf of Chief Bridge. I've been in a variety of administrative positions throughout my career and can see dirty politics in action. You are dismissing a man based simply on the color of his skin. Compare his resume to his successors. It's not close. Chief Pritchett is much more educated. Google the two men and you'll find there were issues in another city. You won't find that, Chief Pritchett. You claim there were procedural issues violated, yet cannot explain what they were, nor disclose what was violated. You waste city money to hire a firm to investigate the alleged procedural issues and found nothing. He was attempting to bring the department to the 21st century by hiring new blood from the outside, yet is chastised for his actions. The problem became when a couple of people got their feelings hurt and attempted to make mountains out of molehills. I've seen such behavior during the mayoral race and couldn't believe the abusive language used, so I'm aware how, how people could be abusive, petty, and immature. It's clear that is what's happening now. The change process has three steps. First, shock. Oh my God, they hired a black man. Second, okay, second is anger and outrage. Exactly. And then the third is it becomes, the change becomes evident. You didn't wait that long. What, what we have in this situation is a, class, a classic case of institutional racism. What this city is teaching the people of San Leandro is, if you're white, you're right. If you're black or brown, you must flush it down. We're celebrating leave the African-American History Month. So I'm and yet this is what happens. People. Thank you. Bernard Ashcraft, Robert Hertzfeldt, and Darlene Evans. Mr. Ashcraft, if you can wait just a second. 
I we heard, so we heard some kind of echo over here, and I just want to make sure that we solve that. I'm letting IT know, right? But I think- of San Leandro is kicking off Black History Month by doing a political lynching of a Black police chief. Yes, a political lynching of a Black police chief. That's all it is. The POA has never wanted a Black police chief when he received high marks on his evaluation, that made the POA furious. Things then got worse. The city's recruiter submitted a list of highly qualified police candidates, but there was a problem. A couple of them who were listed as highly qualified just happened to be black female. The POA, with the help from a couple of council members and the mayor said we must get rid of him. So let's float some lies and see if we can force him out by any means necessary. Well, you know, the city doesn't care much uh, about how much it will cost to get rid of him because as long as they get rid of him, uh, our taxpayer dollars doesn't matter. They've done it before and they don't care. So they have practice. You see, it's been done before. It's been done before. The same playbook, but a different cover page. The city has always practiced systemic racism for 151 years. This city never apologized for redlining. This city if the city that passed a resolution listened to KKK as a domestic terrorist organization and then buried the story, making damn sure no one outside of City Hall knew about it. This is a city that gave two awards to a racist criminal. Thank you. Your time is up. Mr. Ashcraft, your time is up. Mr. Ashcraft, your time is up. Please be respectful. I will make a comment here because you have accused council members and me specifically of promulgating lies. If you have that type, if you have, sir, I gave you your time. If you have evidence of any kind, please share it with the city attorney so that an investigation may be conducted. It's not appropriate to attack individuals on this dais. Slanderous if you don't come with evidence. Let's continue to our next public speaker. Robert Hertzfeld, Darlene Evans, and Mitch Heidema. San Leandro. 
I'm Robert Hertzfeld. I'm here to talk about the homeless encampment that we have on Burroughs Street, the RV encampment. For the last 50 years, no one's ever camped on our street. Three years ago, it was allowed. It's gotten worse every day. I've brought this to your attention already. Uh, something needs to be done. There's businesses up and down this row. They're moving in and they're moving out. Okay, we're losing business. Other businesses are coming in. They're leaving. The crime is off the charts. I can go over a plethora of things that has just happened to the shop that I work at. The money that we spent, the money that we've spent on vehicles that have been destroyed. I'm talking about brand new vehicles that have been destroyed that we come to work the next day. And a guy who lives in this city can't go to work because he doesn't have a vehicle to take him to his job. That vehicle spent six months in a shop and now was just brought back to me. It's totaled. I can't even get it to drive. And that's just, I mean, that's a small little part. It's been awful, awful, and it gets worse every day. Our street is a dump. And, 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 and this isn't next to a scrapyard or the city dump. These are next to businesses that uh, semis are coming in and going out every day. And these people are parked in the middle of the road. None of the vehicles have licenses or registrations. And this isn't compassionate to let them stay here. It's not. Now, I know you guys just got over $9 million to help with your homeless problem in the state of California. I don't care if you pave a road in the middle of nowhere and give them sanitation, but allowing them to stay on our street is not right. 25 seconds left. First time I ever came to San Leandro, I was 18 years old. I broke down in the middle of the Bay Area. In a diesel truck, I was pulled to the same street that I work on now. There's a Cummings Diesel Training Center there. It was there 35 years ago. It was there forever. A year ago, they moved out, boarded it up because of this problem. Uh, San Leandro Institution, where people from around the country would come train and learn how to work on diesels. Thank you. Your time is up. Thank you. Thank you. Your time's up. Darlene Evans, Mitch Heidema, Tim Holmes. Tags is for teenagers. This t-shirt is about camping, but I'm here about a campus. We have hospitals that has a campus. We have schools that has a campus. In Europe, they have places where you pay money to see different type of architecture through the centuries. We have parks. We have six council districts. We also have 19 United Nations agencies that can address Gaza. But the teenagers came here. They don't know about the whole world. They've only had a few years here. I happen to read about, I'm not saying his name right, Pigeon and his history. Something told me to read about it at the senior center, at the computer. Here's what I know. You had made a remark about if you have evidence, talk to the city attorney. Last year, I think it was around December 18th, but it was the last meeting of the year, and there were only two people in the public. And the chief asked for 150,000 emergency dollars. And I went to the city clerk. She says anything over $100,000 has to go before the council. What he displayed was, to me, having taken a radio course, was a female and a male voice. 
My sister was a police dispatcher. She passed away three years ago. She was 78 for Livermore. I took a radio course. Now, to me, when I tried to figure this out, I also asked the city clerk if they ever got the money. They said no, even though everyone on the city council voted for it. Now, I believe that he said it was going to be the first thing that, you know what, we, in essence, maybe the audience prayed for a little bit. Mercy. We had two other police chiefs. And my Thank time you. is Your time is up. Mitch Heidema? Tim Holmes? Good evening, everyone. Um, chief Pridgen has been the best, most communicative, and most fact-based police chief that I've ever had the pleasure of speaking to or walk, watching, really, in general. In the interviews, when he was coming here, it was so clear that he would be amazing, and then he was. But even when talking about topics we disagreed on, Chief Pridgen really listened, took the time to make sure I understood his point of view, and sometimes made changes when he understood the cause of public concern. I knew then that it would only be a matter of time before the police union would take issue with something that Chief Pridgen wanted to, to do, um, both taking the community into account and also scientific, scientific studies into account when he would change things about how our department hires, trains, and manages the department. The leaders of the police union have proven before to be vindictive and dishonest. East Bay Express reported in 2011 about how Dwayne Stancil was lied about by police people in our police department, and he was drummed out. Nothing was ever done to the people who still work in our police department, even after a city investigation showed that what happened was not correct and the things they said were not correct. So the city did have to pay over a million dollars in a settlement out after that. I don't want to see the same thing happen here. Not now, not with police, pre, uh, police chief Pridgen. Please take a strong, hard look at who is saying what, what their histories are, what they've gotten by with doing before and what they're really doing now. Thank you. Thank you. Tim Holmes and then Leo West. Tim Holmes, hello. I'm here in support of Chief Pridgen and to ask for transparency with the public on this issue. I was surprised that our chief of police was placed on leave, apparently on accusations alone for nearly six months for policy violations, it would seem. And for what, we don't know. I would ask you all to ask, who needs to give their okay to release that kind of information to the public and pursue that on behalf of your constituents? Because I think that you may find that it's fine with more people than you would imagine. The information vacuum currently leaves people to speculate on what feels like uh, the most obvious answer. And I have to say that the questions regarding the firm that have come up and the investigation, the, their investigatory, um, well, about the firm, um, really leaves the stink of the old days of this city and it's really not pleasant. It's time to be transparent about this. It's time to reinstate our chief of police, Abdul Pridgen, and it's never time to go back to where we were, and that's what it feels like we're going to. Thank you. Leo West? Good 
the city council has failed miserably to hear the voices of thousands upon thousands of people around the country uh, demonstrating against the genocide of the Palestinian people and has made no resolution because the, you are in the pockets of those who support you. In the last meeting, shamelessly, three supporters of the war against the Palestinians were put ahead to speak up. <laughs> and then dozens upon dozens of supporters of the Palestinian people were left out, were shut down, and the city council ran away. That's a trait of the cowards. We hear Joe Biden and the Democrats talking about they don't want to expand the war, and they keep bombing Yemen, Syria, Iraq, the fallacy of the language of Democrats. The people in Palestine know who the enemy is for them. Not the Israelis, it's not the uh, Zionists, it's the Jews, international Judaism. The Blinkens, the Yellens, the Schumer, the Chiefs, etc. So, I didn't expect the city council to have the guts to make any resolution. What needed is a clear condemnation of Biden and the Democrats for committing crime in Palestine. Thank you. Mr. Mayor, there is no more public comment in person, and the 30 minutes has elapsed. So at this time, let's put a pause in public comment and then come back after we've uh, completed the business part of our meeting that we do need to attend to, beginning with a public hearing. So item number 10 is, uh, 10A in particular is a resolution related to vehicle miles traveled being our new uh, policy method in the general plan. And I believe we've got manager Wayland Lee out of planning who's going to be introducing this item and the consultant who's been working with us, but maybe it's Mr. Liao. <laughs> Thank you, Mayor and City Council. I'm actually making a quick cameo because we realized that we haven't formally introduced our planning manager, Waylon Lee. So we have the good fortune. Waylon has over 20 years of experience coming from East Palo Alto and most recently the last 10 years, the city of Fremont uh, in many capacities in planning. He's highly experienced. Uh, we're very fortunate to have him. I had the pleasure of being um, a mentor working with him during the Alameda County leadership several years ago. So so happy to see when he threw his hat in the ring. So I'm just wanted to very I'm very pleased to introduce uh, Waylon Lee uh, to you all tonight, and he's going to kick it off and then hand it over both to engineering and the consultant. So thank you. Thank you for the thank you for the introduction, Tom. And good evening, Mayor Gonzalez, members of the City Council. Again, my name is Waylon Lee. I'm City's Planning Manager, and I'm pleased to introduce tonight's public hearing item which is the consideration of text amendments to the city's general plan transportation element for the purpose of implementing the requirements of Senate Bill SB 743. <clears throat> we have several key members of the project team with me this evening. I'm joined by 
senior transportation senior transportation engineer Nicole Castellino, uh, senior planner Cindy Lemaire, assistant community development director Avalon Schultz, and our transportation consultant Sam Tabibnia from Fear and Peers. Before I turn over the presentation to Sam, I did want to spend a couple of minutes providing the council with some context to help frame your decision tonight. As you know, the state of California has a very ambitious goal of addressing climate change through the reduction of greenhouse gas emissions. And the state has adopted a range of strategies to help meet that goal. One of the key strategies was implemented through the adoption of Senate Bill SB 743, which essentially changed the way in which we define a significant, significant transportation impact um, under the California Environmental Quality Act, or CEQA. For those of you that have been on the council for a while and have seen a lot of CEQA documents over the years, uh, you may recall that before SB 743 went into effect in July of 2020, a significant transportation impact under CEQA was based on a metric called level of service, or LOS. And that basically evaluated how well our streets accommodated vehicle traffic. With SB 743, the state basically acknowledged that this automobile-centric approach uh, wasn't really aligned with the state's overall goals for overall state climate goals. And so it mandated a different approach based on a metric called vehicle miles traveled or VMT, uh, which Sam is gonna explain in a little more detail, but it's, it's essentially a measure of how much driving is actually going to result from a particular project. As I mentioned earlier, SB 743 went into effect in July of 2020, and the city of San Leandro, like, um, like, like all of the cities in the state, we started evaluating, evaluating transportation impacts based on VMT as required under the law. Uh, more recently, with a couple of years of experience dealing with VMT under our belts, our engineering staff and our planning staff came together and we decided that we should start standardizing our approach to utilizing VMT to ensure that we're evaluating transportation impacts consistently, that we're in line with the best practices out there in the state, uh, and that we're transparent to the public and we have a predictable development environment. And so to achieve that goal, we hired a transportation consultant, Buren Peers, to help us develop administrative transportation analysis guidelines. And as we developed those guidelines, part, as part of that effort, we identify, identified the need to make some adjustments to the language in our general plan to provide a little more clarity about what we're doing with transportation analysis. I'll just briefly note that we're very fortunate that our general plan is very progressive and forward thinking and promoting sustainability. So, and actually foresaw the eventual need to shift away from LOS to VMT. Uh, so you'll find that the changes that are being proposed are actually very minor in nature. And those minor amendments to the general plan are what, are what, are bef what is before the council this evening. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Sam, who's going to give you a little bit more background about VMT and how we're using it for our transportation analysis. Thank you, Waylon, uh, and good evening, everybody. I just want to just do we have a presentation that will be appearing there? And if so, can we just make sure that it is? Thank you. Thank you. Um, so 
me go ahead. So, um, so I have a very brief uh, presentation that we'll go over. Um, wanted to talk a little bit about the kind of the legislative requirements, the background, which Waylon talk about, talked about, so I can skip over that. Then I'll briefly explain what VMT is and what it does, and then go over the, uh, the proposed text amendments to the general plan, and finally uh, talk about the staff recommendations. Um, so I, we can skip this. We already talked about it. Um, <clears throat> And I can also skip this one. So what is VMT? It basically measures the total amount of driving that a project generates. So in the graphic that we are showing here, uh, the, top, the top graphic basically shows one car going one mile. So that's one VMT. And then the bottom one shows four cars going 10 miles each. So that's a total of four times 10, 40 VMT. Um, and just for the purpose of uh, the transportation analysis in CEQA, VMT measures, is measured on a typical weekday. It does not include trucks. It only includes passenger vehicles, light trucks. Um, and it's typically done on a per person basis. Uh, so it's not looking at the total VMT, rather it's per either uh, worker or per resident. Um, so what uh, what we're proposing to amend to the, uh, to the general plan, it's in the transportation element. And it's basically acknowledging that uh, consistent with the state requirements, VMT is the primary metric to be used in CEQA documents. And it also clarifying that the city will continue to evaluate, to evaluate the effects of uh, traffic. However, it will be outside of the CEQA uh, process. And so the setting some parameters on that, and that still city would still use level of service as long as it does not interfere with the VMT goals. Uh, so based on that, the staff recommendation is you know, to formalize the replacement of level of service VMT as the threshold significance in uh, for transportation analysis in CEQA and uh, establish the parameters for a context of a congestion-based analysis. Um, and just wanted to add that this was also presented to the Planning Commission on January 4th, um, and it was passed uh, anonymously by the Planning Commission. So that's, uh, that's the end of our presentation. And the other piece of color that I'll add is we talked about vehicle miles, vehicle miles traveled at Transportation and Facilities Commission as well. There's been, I think, some, some very good discussion on this topic. At this point in time, are there any clarifying questions from council members? Councilmember Aguilar, please. Thank you for the presentation. I just wanted to understand a little bit more why um, only vehicles and not big rigs or trash, you know, trash trucks. Yeah. Not counted in this. Is it? Does it? You know, flaw any of the counts that we're utilizing this data for? No, so the main reason, it, it actually comes from the state, the way the state uh, developed the guidelines. And the main reason is that you know, there is different ways that people can get to places. You know, we can walk, we can take a bike, uh, we can take a bus, but there's really not that many ways we can send freight around. Um, so, you know, we, it basically does need to go buy a truck. There's no other options. Uh, so that's the primary reason it's not included. Um, also wanted to add that it is the impacts of trucks is included in other topics that are studied in the SQL documents, such as air quality or noise. So that's still done. Thank you for clarifying those. That's my question. So at this point in time, what I'd like to do is open our public hearing.
So is there anyone that wishes to speak on this item as part of our public hearing? Mr. Mayor, I have no public comments in person or online. So with that, I will close the public hearing. There's one hand up. Okay, I will as courtesy take that one hand. IT, can you get the timer ready? Kathy, Ralph, you may unmute yourself. Hello, this is Catherine Ralph, and I appreciate uh, being uh, recognized. I was, I had my hand up for the whole time that people were um, in another segment of the meeting. And what I wanted to say was that um, on behalf of Chief Pridgen, as well as uh, just adding my comments to what everyone else so, said. Ms. Ralph, I'm going to ask you to hold for just a second. Mm -hmm. So are you here to speak on the public hearing, which is with respect to the vehicle miles traveled element of our general plan or the transition into inserting that? No, I've had plan? my hand up for the whole time since uh, originally everybody was speaking on something else. Yeah, no worries. No worries. So what I'm going to do is we have, we took 30 minutes of public comment. We're going to take care of the uh, business that we need to take care of, and we will return to public comment. My guess is within about an hour. So just Stay attentive. We will come back to non-agenda public comment. Right now, we're in the middle of a public hearing. Okay. okay. There were two Thank of you. us waiting, and we didn't get recognized. You didn't get recognized because we ran the full 30 minutes. We had set aside 30 minutes at the beginning, and then we're going to do the, the city business here in the middle, and then we'll pick up again with public comment on non-agenda items uh, when we've gone through item 15. Okay. Thank you for your patience. Mr. Mayor, there is no public comment. So with the hearing closed, what I'd like to know is if I've got a motion for this change to the general plan. That's member Aguilar. I'd like to move. Okay. Uh, do I have a second? Councilmember Bowen? So I've got a second from, I've got a motion from Councilmember Aguilar, a second from Councilmember Bowen to adopt staff's recommendation and to make the change to the general plan as recommended uh, and listed in our packet. So any further discussion? Seeing none, let's vote. Vice Mayor, your vote, please. Mr. Mayor, all votes are in. Motion passes 6-0. I'd like to keep pushing through our agenda. Any uh, council calendar announcements? This is the point in time where council members announce calendar of upcoming events and coordinate attendance and make brief comments on issues of concern. Council Member Bowen, are you still in queue? No? Okay, no worries. Council Member, uh, Vice Mayor Simon, please. Uh, thank you. This is an issue of concern. And again, this is speaking on behalf of myself as vice mayor and not behalf of the whole council. I appreciate the work of Chief Pridgen has done for working to reform our police department for the good of our city and making our community safer. I am concerned about the current and future safety of our community and continuation of police reform. As mentioned during my comments at the Black History Month proclamation, I am also concerned as to why the investigative process into complaints against Chief Pridgen is now in its sixth month, which
which in my opinion casts a cloud upon and raises suspicion regarding the progress of reforms in our police department. Again, for the record tonight, I am showing my support for Chief Pridgen, just as I have at past council meetings when the chief was on duty. In the coming days or weeks, I will discuss with the city manager to learn more about the status of the chief's leave and investigation, as well as what is being done to increase public safety in our city, as I am receiving, receiving regular reports from residents on violent crimes very close to their homes and in their shopping areas and general disregard for laws. Do we have any other announcements from council members? So with that, let's move to our item number 12, where we will discuss under 12A, our process for the D1 vacancy. And in particular, I think, uh, City Clerk, you've got a presentation on this item. Yes, I do. Let me share my screen first. And my own timer. Okay, thank you, Mayor and Council. Um, I'm here to present to you the City Council vacancy process for appointment. We previously discussed this item January 2nd, where we received direction from Council. Council directed staff that they wanted to vote to appoint a qualified applicant in lieu of hosting a special election. And that um, on January 25th, by 5 p.m., all applications were due to the City Clerk's Office. Each council member was responsible for submitting two questions to be included in the supplemental questionnaire. There was also mentioned that each council member would also submit two questions to be for the interview, interview process. The direction also stated that if we received 11 or more applica applications that an ad hoc committee would be created. If 10 or few applications were received, then we would move forward with interviews and that we would make time to have a special meeting and interviews and appoint as necessary. This is the timeline I present before you. Tonight is February 5th, where we are here to discuss the council next steps for appointment to District 1, create an ad hoc committee, and then provide direction to staff. February 13th is, a, is being held as a special meeting. Because it is a special meeting, the meeting can start at any time. It does not have to start at 7. You could start it earlier at 5 or 5.30. When I pulled all council members, it was to make sure everybody was available anytime after 5 p.m. That meeting will be slated for interviews, nominations, and appointment. If no appointment is to be made that night, then there might be time on February 20th. However, there is one council member to be absent that evening. So we're asking that you reserve the time on February 27th for a potential special meeting if we're not able to appoint somebody on February 13th. And then the big uh, deadline is February 29th. That is our 60-day deadline for appointment. Otherwise, the city has to have a special election to fill the seat, and that will cost the city an estimated $990,000. As of the cutoff, we received 18 applicants. Of those applicants, 13 of them were qualified. Two of them were qualified to, at a later date and three of them were not qualified because they either did not live in District 1 or they did not submit their supplemental questions. 
Two of the applicants who are in orange, they were not registered to vote in their district at the time that they applied. So I spoke with them and let them know that they could contact the registrar of voters and apply or register to vote. And then um, they had to show me proof that they were registered. So if they were to be interviewed, they could be potentially appointed, but it would have to be after February 22nd and February 23rd because our municipal code states that you have to be a registered voter for 30 days in order to be qualified. The other 13 applicants are qualified candidates. So the next step is talking about a council ad hoc committee. The mayor selects the ad hoc committee and he does that with council approval. We're asking for council direction to the ad hoc committee so that they can narrow down the number of applicants to be interviewed. Right now we have 13 with a possible 15, then we would ask the ad hoc committee to submit their interviewing names to the city clerk by this Friday, February 9th at 12 p.m. So it can be part of the packet to go out on for Monday, February 13th. The process for Monday, February 13th special meeting is that the ad hoc would ad hoc committee recommends the applicants to be interviewed. The city council would interview the district one applicants and then there would be city council discussion. Following the discussion, the mayor would then ask for nominations. So I've set an example up here, so sometimes a visual helps. When the mayor asks for nominations, if one person, say for instance, Mickey Mouse receives four nominations, then Mickey Mouse would immediately win the nomination. And then the next step would be for council to vote on that appointment. And we would vote on that with the standard vote motion and a second to appoint. And then if a majority minimum of four, votes yes, then that person would be appointed and sworn in that day. However, if it was somebody who couldn't be sworn in that day, you could set the appointment to a future date. And I could swear them in at a meeting here or in my office. If there is no majority, such as this example where Mickey Mouse received three votes and Donald Duck received two and then Snoopy received one, then we would go to a random order vote. And so I can show you how that works. So there is an app just a random list generator. So I would type in the names at the meeting live so everybody can see. I just type them in an order and I click a button and then the random generator creates a random order. So when I did it for this example, the random order put Donald Duck first. So then we would take council discussion on the nominees. I use the random list generator and then we take a vote on each person in the random order. So in this example, Donald Duck went first and received four no's and two yeses. And then Mickey Mouse was the second person and Mickey Mouse received four yeses and two no's. So then Mickey Mouse would be the nominee. And then again, we would go through that process where Mickey Mouse is the nominee and then we take a vote at council and then that person can be appointed and sworn in. However, you will note that Snoopy and Woodstock, no vote is taken because per Robert's rules of order, the first person to receive the majority vote becomes the nominee. So in this situation, Snoopy and Woodstock wouldn't be considered. However, the alternative is if Mickey Mouse does not receive those four votes, we would just move on to Snoopy. And then if there wasn't a majority to be had at any point, we would just repeat this process of the random order and go through the votes until a appointment is made. So my recommended council action is that we discuss an ad hoc committee and that direction is provided to staff with the maximum number of applicants moving forward to be interviewed. That 
A list of names is provided to the city clerk's office by Friday, February 9th at 12 p.m. And that we set a special meeting for February 13th and we establish a time for that meeting to start. In that meeting, we will have the interviews, the nominations where we set a maximum number of nominations, an appointment, swearing in, and then we all reserve February 27th as a backup special meeting. And that is my presentation. Thank you for your presentation and its efficiency. So at this point in time, we will go to uh, clarifying questions from our council, and then we'll go take public comment and then return for some discussion and motion. A okay, council member Aguilar first, please. Uh, thank you, Mayor Gonzalez. Uh, thank you, Kelly, for the presentation. I just, my, my question is with regards to the majority. So let's say we have um, five people present at the council meeting. There has to be um, four votes or will it be majority of the members that are present? So I'll turn to city attorney. Thank you, council member. It requires four votes, which is the total membership of the city council. At this point in time, I'll go to Councilmember Blue, please, for your questions. Mr. Mayor, thank you, Kelly. Uh, quick question. Uh, the candidates turned in supplemental questionnaires, and I don't anticipate I'll be part of the ad hoc committee, but I would be interested in seeing the questions so that I could see if there was anything I wanted to advocate with the ad hoc committee for in terms of advocacy for gaps or what may be needed. Is, is there a chance we'll be able to see those questions? I want to first start with city attorney and perhaps look to city manager and city clerk. So start with city attorney. Uh, so to be clear, Councilmember Blue, you're asking for the answers to the supplemental questions. Yes, sir. Yes, we can provide those to the council. Those are public records. Thank you. My second question is the ad hoc committee. That would be a public meeting. City attorney. Uh, by definition, Councilmember Blue, an ad hoc committee under the Brown Act is um, not subject to the Brown Act. It's an ad hoc committee composed of less than a quorum of the city council and um, for a defined and specific purpose or duration. That's what this ad hoc committee would be. So it does not need to, it does not need to comply with the Brown Act requirements. Thank you. Vice Mayor Simon, please. Thank you. Has this random order vote process been done before? So it's based off of how the Secretary of State does the elections and how your name is added to the ballots for the election. So the Secretary of State does a random name drawing. So instead of the city council or staff choosing an order like alphabetical or by district, this takes any bias out of it and is random just like the state does for the election. For filling appointments in other jurisdictions, other city councils, has this been done before, this process? of Pulling the, the random order? I have not looked into that, so I don't know. I have not seen it myself, Vice Mayor, uh, but we did base it on process that has been used in another jurisdiction, obviously the Secretary of State. Okay, thank you. And... Let's see, I think I heard February 13th was times, all times were open. That is correct. When I pulled the city council in January, I asked for everybody's availability for times beyond 5 p.m. And it is a regularly scheduled meeting. February 13th would typically be our work session. 
but we are reserving it for the district one vacancy appointment. Okay. Is there still the opportunity to move it to a set time like 7 p.m.? Yes, I'm asking that's part of the direction tonight is to decide what time the meeting should start. Okay. But I was offering that it is a special meeting, so it does not have to start at 7. We could start earlier to allow time because there will be time needed for interviews and then council discussion. Thank you. Councilmember Aguilar, please. Uh, thank you, Mayor. Just one more question for uh, our city attorney. So Councilmember Ballou had, had mentioned that he'd like to see the supplemental questions just to advocate for uh, um, a candidate, certain candidate or specific candidate. What are the rules behind the advocacy? Will we still be held to the Brown Act with regards to as to how many people we can talk to about advocacy? That is correct. So um, under the Brown Act, the majority of the council cannot engage in a discussion or action outside of an open and notice public meeting. Or would that be a majority of the ad hoc committee? I know the ad hoc committee would be composed of three members. So um, in the Brown Act, as long as if a, uh, if a council member wanted to provide information or their thoughts to uh, the, the ad hoc committee. What they would need to do is to provide, just as they would to the entire council, um, a mechanism by which it would not show or they would not have had a discussion. Typically how that's done is you can have individual contacts with members, and as long as you don't share your conversations, the substance of your conversations with individual members or the other members that you talk to, that is not a violation of the Brown Act. So that's just an example of how members can talk to each other as long as they are not sharing across those conversations, opinions, thoughts, ideas of the other council members. So there are three members who will be appointed to the ad hoc committee. So you're saying that two of the members or three of the members can be talked to or two members can be talked to to garner support from a Council member? So typically, as I said, it's... I'm sorry, I, I'm not understanding the question, so I just want to make sure I understand the question. Can you repeat it, rephrase it, so that we're all... I want to make sure that we're all on the same page. So if there are three people on the ad hoc committee and we're selecting a candidate to move forward in the process, um, he can color my perception as to which candidate he wants and sue us, and we can both move forward with that candidate through the ad hoc committee by a majority. Would that be a violation of a majority of the ad hoc committee yep. pushing forward. No, it's not a majority of the council, but that's what I think the ad hoc committee's charge would be is to present a, a narrower list for the council or uh, for interviews. So yes, there wouldn't, there could be unanimity amongst the, the ad hoc committee to advance a person to the interview process. So there can be influence from our council members who are not on the ad hoc committee to move forward. Well, I believe that they can communicate with individual ad hoc committee members their thoughts, but as long as the ad hoc committee members don't share amongst each other conversations they had with the other council members, that's not a Brown Act violation. Okay. Just wanted to clarify that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Vice Mayor, please. Thank you. So if there's three people on the ad hoc, or three council members and three council members that are not on the ad hoc, and there is one applicant 
that was did not did not move forward. Yet one of the three council members that was not on the ad hoc is questioning why did that person not make it up? Is there any uh, recourse or can that council member that wasn't on ad hoc, ad hoc pull that person up to be interviewed? So I will pass that to city attorney. Uh, under the process that is, that is proposed, uh, Vice Mayor Simon, the only way that that can happen is if we come back to the 13th and you asked, you asked the question, can we question the, the ad hoc committee members as to why a person, an applicant was not advanced? Yes, that can happen at the February 13th meeting. But it doesn't, the council has agreed that the ad hoc committee will create a narrower list for the interviews. But there's, of course, a discussion can be had regarding who and who did not make and why. And that can be asked of the ad hoc committee. Okay, so at that February 13th meeting, that discussion can be had and potentially that new or that person can be, at, can be added to the list to move forward if agreed upon by the ad hoc during that discussion. No, that is not my understanding. The ad hoc committee has made the recommendations and the recommendations are presented to the whole council to narrow the list. There can be discussion about why a person didn't make the list, but ultimately, I think you've set the ad hoc committee as the body to create a narrower list. Why could they not, after discussions on the 13th, they decide, well, perhaps this person should have moved up. Why could they not bring them in to the next step? I'm going to take that first, and then we can kind of continue the dialogue. I think the, the, the presumption is that if we've got three people dialoguing and maybe hearing input from others, but not discussing what other council members think, right? Taking that totality of input, that when we come back with a list of six, seven, eight names to actually interview in these chambers, that it should reflect uh, a sufficiently broad list that it would be surprising if there was a person that got left off. Now, I think as a council, we always have the prerogative to question and ask and explore. But we are empowering the ad hoc committee, that's what we made, decided already, to narrow that list. That was the purpose that we gave the ad hoc committee. So it is it's presumptively a desirable thing. I don't know if you have an additional thought, city manager. I want the council to consider a procedural clarification that the idea was that all the candidates from the ad hoc committee would be interviewed on the same day so that no one candidate had the advantage of over preparation over the other candidates interviewing. And so if you split this, this is a public meeting. So you run the risk of having one group of candidates having questions and more preparation ahead of another group of candidates. So just something to consider. Okay. So at this point in time, I'll go to council member Azevedo, please. Yes, I got a couple questions. One, I guess mine's kind of similar to Vice Mayor Simon. Um, so if a candidate doesn't make it to the finals, there's no way that we could pull, pull them onto it if it wasn't approved from the ad hoc committee. That would... so, so I think that that's, that's what we were just exploring. The presumption yeah. is that we start with those that we have flagged and that we would discuss those, we'd explore those, and that we would have heard as within the framework or the rubric following the rules that city attorney laid out for us 
we would be able to hear from all the council members, but in the end, that there would be a winnowing, a narrowing, and that you're entrusting the ad hoc committee to come back with a sufficiently broad list of names so that we've got a good representation that we would then vote on. Now, if it were the case, for example, that after we went through all of the names and no one uh, that could not garner the sufficient number of votes, then clearly we would continue that exploration process, and that might include broadening the list. But I think we start from the presumption that the ad hoc committee has taken the input and will narrow that list in a way that's consistent with what we're allowed to discuss and not discuss. And number two, to try to create a meeting where we can manage a list of applicants and, and hear from them individually. Do we know what the number is that we're going to narrow it down to yet? Or I think that's discuss? part of the discussion that we are to have here. I think that's part of the guidance that you were requesting. That I think she framed it as a maximum. You know, it would be no more than we fill in the blank in that number, uh, but it could be less than that, but it would be no more than. I think again that comes from kind of a logistical perspective that at some point having a four-hour meeting of interviews or a five-hour meeting of interviews, at some point it becomes a bit untenable, particularly for that last person who has to present to a fairly tired council. Council Member Bowen? Yes, thank you, Mayor. Um, with the creation of the ad hoc committee, one of the things that Council Member Ballou made me think of is um, I think it is really important that while there's only three of us that will be on that hoc committee, that we are at all times thinking about the considerations and what's important priorities of all the council members. And we've done it um, initially through submitting the two questions that we thought would be really important for us or would, would convey the information that we would want to be able to know more about. But I think that it would um, behoove us to potentially ask the other council members for considerations to keep in mind as we are whoever's on the ad hoc committee to be able to consider um, so that it's, and that's something that we can share through the city manager or the city clerk so that we can um, as as the ad hoc committee meets I I think that there's always going to be some subjectivity to it obviously but I, I think that if we can at any um, in, in any form make it as objective as possible and thinking through how we are at least process how are we deciding um, who um, we think should be appointed to the seat um, so that we can answer the question to Councilmember Simon's point, like, you know, why did we choose this person? Why didn't we choose that person? I think that if we can add more of that to the process, um, that would be really helpful. And as the ad hoc committee is created, um, is deciding how we are going to choose going to be um, part of the initial the meeting and the, uh, and subsequent meetings of the ad hoc committee over the next four or five days. Yes, I do believe that the ad hoc committee should be able to articulate the council members a bit about how they came to this list. Um, obviously, there's, as you point out, there's judgment. Uh, there's various factors that, that we might want to consider. But by hearing from council members and by reviewing the applications, people have access to that, that we'll be able to 
articulate what that is uh, out of an ad hoc committee. Vice Mayor, please. Oh, one more question. I'm sorry. My apologies. Yeah, the only thing I would say is as, um, I was also going to bring up the number of applicants. It, I would like to see us um, so that we can spend ample time with each of the applicants when we do interview them in person. Um, even at our proposed two questions, two minutes per person would be at least rounding up to about 25, 30 minutes. And so at seven applicants, that's three and a half, four hours of interviewing. So I, I would like to recommend no more than seven out of the 13, just having that and being generous with it. And so I will come back to actually in our discussion and I'll get to that right now. I just want to focus on questions so that we can get input from our public. Uh, Vice Mayor, please. Previous question. Do we have the ability to change the process such that if you run into that situation where ad hoc does not choose person and their non-ad hoc would like to pull someone up and there's a vote on that to bring them up, can we change the process such that a majority of the council can still move up who they feel of the process? Yeah, so if the question is, can the majority of the council vote to do whatever the majority of the council wants, the answer is yes. That's always true. But we would hope that, uh, that we would avail ourselves of what the... Right. Okay, so hopefully we don't need that to happen, but it is a... We always... It is, it's emergency backstop to make sure the full council is approving what goes forward. Seeing no other questions at this time, I'd like to take public comment and then come back for discussion. Okay, Mr. Mayor, I will start with public comment in person. Mr. David Anderson. Question before I start talking. Who's selecting the uh, ad hoc committee? Is it the city council and the mayor or just the mayor? So we will answer the questions later, but do your comment. You you can't answer that question now so before I ask my questions. That's good. That has a bearing on it. Okay. Well, I, I find that suspect and also the uh, Brown Act. I think the interpretation that the attorney respectfully that you gave or the system that you're going to use randomly, it wasn't used in this particular case where you were trying to replace a, a city council person. And the other thing is, uh, said the Brown Act, you don't want to answer the question about who's going to pick the ad hoc committee until when, you said again, Mr. Mayor? After? After public comment, we'll tell. You answer. Okay. Well, that's all I have to say. I just see a lot of uh, hurdles that we have to get over. And that's it for now. If I have any other questions, could I submit them to the city clerk? So that, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Mitch Heidema. Hi, everybody. Um, at one of the earlier meetings, I guess the last meeting that I saw that you, you were talking about this, um, I think there was some discussion at the time about how it might make sense 
to prioritize people who were the closest to having experience doing this so that there'd be less training necessary. And at the time, when I heard you guys say that, I thought, oh yeah, that totally makes sense that you know people should rise to the top who, who have that kind of experience, they'd need less training. But I think the more I've thought about it, I, I've, I just wanted to point out that um, I think over time we've had people who have throughout the ages, we've had people who've, you know, they've been here, they've been around and they don't necessarily really understand how things work. Whereas there at the same time have been people who have come in and are fairly fresh to coming even to city council meetings who've walked in and been able to pick things up fairly quickly and learn pretty quickly. So I'm just asking you to keep an open mind with respect to that. Um, and I, it looks like a fantastic list of people who have applied. So good luck in picking them. Thank you. Mr. Mayor, there's no more public comment in person or online. Okay, so with that, we'll close public comment and by the oh, and so by the charter, the mayor appoints ad hoc committees. It's just that's standard. At this point in time, I'll move to council member discussion. Um, and, and perhaps I'll just begin with letting the council know that it is my intention to appoint the, an ad hoc committee consisting of council member Aguilar, council member Bowen, and myself. So that will require a vote of the, the majority of the council, but that is my intention. And so I will make a motion at some point subject to the discussion that we have going on here. Councilmember Ballou. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you for sharing that with us. I wouldn't have a problem at all with that. I think no matter who serves on that ad hoc committee, theoretically, the results at the end should be about the same. I don't envy whoever gets on that committee. I think besides the police chief, fire chief, and city manager, I think I have more experience in promotionals, administering promotionals, administering entry-level tests than anyone in the room. And I, and there's always professional disappointment. The people that get to the get above the line love it, and the people that get below the line ask why, and there has to be maybe some courageous conversations there. Just looking at that list. Good luck to the ad hoc committee, and then good luck to us, because there's some really good candidates and a lot of diversity. It's really good to see that. I don't mean just diversity in terms of gender and race. I mean diversity in background and experience. One of the reasons I'm so interested in those questions one of the real reasons is I haven't seen the other council members' questions. So that will help me understand what's important to them for this process so that I can be a better advocate for helping pick the best person for the whole council. That was my intent about asking that. I just didn't word it probably as clearly as I could have. I think um, I have zero problem with the process as it stands. If we wanted to amend it, I have zero process. At the end, the best person or the best two or three should rise to the top through our interviews and then get an appointment. So a lot of this is about trust. I mean, a lot of our conversation, a lot of the public's conversation going up to this sounds like to me it's around preferences. I appreciate comments like, you know, maybe experience was good and sounded good at the beginning, but maybe that's not really necessary. And I've said it from the beginning as someone who has chosen not to meet with any of the candidates who have put in after we decided on the process and to trust the process and trust my colleagues that will come you know, one out of 13 people that are eligible is going to be disheartening for some in the community and some that put in. But I think we all need to work together to find the person who has the heart of San Leandro and can serve, whether they're experienced or whether they're not. 
So I think preferences aside, it's not, to be honest, my experience is not going to be a fun process. It's going to be a very hard process for us. And uh, I think that we all, everyone on the council, we have disagreements about policies and procedures and this and that, but I think everybody is on board that we want to get someone in that seat that we consider can do the job and is the best candidate of all the candidates. And I will say in advance, that does not mean the other 12 candidates aren't great candidates and can't serve San Leandro. It just means that at some point we made the hard decision that got four votes to get someone appointed. And um, the person I envy the, the most in this position, Mr. Mayor, is you, because you're going to have to write it good or bad and lead us through this process, which is going to be an interesting process. It's been done before, but I don't think they've had that, as many candidates put in. Really, really pleased to see the interest of folks that want to help San Leandro. That is an awesome testament to the people who live here and work here and care so much that they would go through a bunch of questions and are willing to go through a bunch more. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Seeing no other discussion with that, I will make a motion to appoint an ad hoc committee consisting of myself, Council Member Aguilar, and Council Member Bowen, serve as an ad hoc committee to uh, return with a maximum number of eight applications. It could be less, but a maximum number of eight. And that we will do that by the time recommended by the city clerk. Friday, February 9th at 12 p.m. Friday, February 9th at 12 p.m. will be our goal. I'll second. I've got a second. Is there any other discussion? If I'm not mistaken, we already took public comment on this item. And so at this point in time, let's vote. Can we also just clarify that everybody's going to hold, um, it's Monday, I believe, or yeah, Monday, February 27th, available for a special meeting in case we can't complete this by Tuesday, February 13th? Tuesday, February 13th. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to go down the council because I want kind of, I'm sorry, they're both on Tuesdays? They're both Tuesdays. That is correct. Okay, so just to come down the council, I'd like to get kind of an affirmative yes, or at least a nod that I can interpret as a yes, make sure that we're making February 27th in, available in case we are unable to uh, reach a conclusion on the 13th. So I'll start with Councilmember Azevedo. You will be available. Thank you for your nod. Councilmember Aguilar? Yes, I've got a yes from... Councilmember Aguilar, Councilmember Bowen. Your mic is off. If... Okay, so yes from Councilmember Bowen. Yes, Mr. Mayor. I've got a yes from Councilmember Blue and Vice Mayor, please. Uh, yeah, so yes. So we are, just for the record, we are committed to being here on February 27th if we're not able to resolve and uh, nominate and vote for appoint a council member on the 13th and then i've uh as a point of privilege i will come back to council member simon oh i'm sorry before doing that madam clerk i have two more follow-ups what time would you like the meeting to start on the 13th and i would also like a set time for the meeting to start on the 27th so we know that ahead of time and i can block everybody's calendars that's perfect we will come back to that i promise so okay. hold me accountable okay. uh, council member simon Ah, perfect. On the 13th. And what about on the 27th? 
Okay, are there any other suggestions or requests for time? Council Member Bowen. I would suggest starting it earlier because that meeting we will also be interviewing all of the candidates, correct? The 8th, the 13th? Okay. And so just, and just interviews will go at least three and a half hours. And if we start the meeting at 7, I just feel like that's not going to be enough time. So I, I would suggest as early as we can. You said Council, so um, thank you for, for your input. Any other inputs on the suggested start time? I'm, I'm looking for maybe a little bit of, of compromise or so I am concerned about having a meeting where we're trying to make a decision at one in the morning, particularly if we get people from the public and then the public might complain that we're not giving them adequate time to provide input. So I'm trying to, to balance the different the different pieces. I hear maybe six o'clock. Six o'clock. What what else am I hearing? So I'm gonna just go down the line. I'm gonna punch you in if you don't mind, so that we can have it on the record. Council member? 5.30 or six will work for me. It's gonna be three or three and a half hours. That means it's gonna last till late 39, 10 o'clock. Council member uh, Aguilar. At six is fine for me. Um, I have a day job. I work nine to five, so you know, giving me enough time to come in and prepare. Um, also, enough time to coordinate ad hoc committee so that I'm able to have enough time to commit to decisions. Understood. So I'm getting a sense of consensus from our council at 6 p.m. on the 13th. I've got the head nods. That, so that's your direction and then as far as the 27th at that point in time we will have already heard the candidates and it would be more discussion of what we heard so presumably that would not require us to start early but we get to define that as it will be a special meeting correct madam clerk that is correct okay so we have that that flexibility. You're, AT, can you share my screen? Can you turn on your mic, please? So the 27th may not be needed? It, 27th may not be needed if we're able to reach a conclusion on the 13th. Just in case, we're just kind of doing the administrative stuff to get it confirmed so there's a public record so the public can plan. Other thoughts, Councilmember Azevedo? Okay, Council Member Aguilar. Uh, just an FYI, I will, you know, if we need to meet on the 29th, is it a 29th option or was it? Just the 27th. The 29th is not an option. Okay, the 29th is when we have to make the appointment. Okay, Correct. Right, thank you. Council Member Simon, or Vice Mayor Simon. So on the process, the 13th, on. Potentially, an appointment could be made as soon as the 13th? Yes. More time is needed, 20th? The 27th. Okay, what is the 20th? What is 220? Sorry? 220 is listed. So it's a regular council meeting. 
It says continue nominations and appointment if needed. That was an option, but that's a regular council meeting. So we have regular council meeting items. So I don't think there will be time for nominations and we won't have full every council member available at that meeting. Okay, so that bullet point is not relevant. We won't do anything on the 20th. Is that what it's saying? Is that what? Correct. It was correct. It was initially an option, but the 27th is the better option because every council member is guaranteed available. And then this one clarification through the ad hoc process, is it just reviewing questionnaires and applications? There's no uh, personal discussions with the candidates? That is up to the council to decide the process. At present, it wasn't envisioned that we would interview everyone. I, I doubt that we'll have the time to coordinate. If it magically worked, you know, obviously we're open to it, but it is limited time. Okay. But I'm just confirming what the process is. We're just looking at applications. Yes. Not okay. Just wanted to confirm. Okay, so based on the feedback received, we will start the 27th at 7 p.m. At this point in time, we've got a motion on the floor. Oh, you've got a question or a comment from Councilmember Ballou. Mayor, I apologize. I don't want to over-engineer this. I know there's a motion on the floor about the ad hoc committee, but going back to the process for one second, I'd like to suggest that the council consider that if we make a selection on the 13th, we hold off the formal swearing in until the 20th so that we can include it's a regular council meeting you could swear them in walk them up to the dais there's something to do with pomp and circumstance for that but it also is the whole public may not want to wait up until well not the whole public the 300 people that are interested stay up until 11 11 30 at night blah 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 and then see them come up here i think that there's some honor in the regular council meeting i don't know if the council would be willing to do that it also gives fran about seven days to bring whoever it is up to speed, the friend and her staff. So I don't, it's just something to think about. They would still have the honor and glory that night if we make an appointment the 13th, but there's something to be said about, you know, having their family come, not have to wait, you know, seven, 11 families out here, eight families out here, and then have to wait where they just can know that on the 20th, whoever is going to be sworn in if we make the decision by then. Is that something that people would? So thank you for the suggestion. I, I like the suggestion, but I'm just going to go down the, the dais and just see if I can get some head nods for delaying the, the actual appointment until that Monday so that they can bring family and guests and all that kind of stuff. The swearing we, in, the swearing the in. Just not do the swearing the in. swearing in, to be precise. Thank you. Uh, uh, Councilmember Azevedo, please. All right. Since we're making adjustments to the ad hoc committee, can we um, get a head nod if um, we can approve if there's a, someone that's a good candidate that doesn't make the list that we could put them in, uh, nominate them? So, so we've we have agreed that the majority of the council can bring anybody forward, but that we start with the those that are selected by the ad hoc committee. Okay. I just want to okay. sure. Okay. So just w thank you for the clarification. So back to the. Uh, just suggestion that's been offered by Councilmember Ballou to, uh, if we do end up appointing on the 13th, to enable a celebration of the swearing in on the 20th and bringing family and friends and all that. Uh, can I get some general consensus that that would be desirable? 
based on head nods, I am perceiving that that uh, is desirable. So that would be how we would proceed on that front. Okay, so back to just be very clear, to tighten up our record, I think that we've talked about a variety of things. We've provided counsel, uh, counsel to the clerk on how we will proceed, but I like a motion to formalize that process in addition to we're going to vote on the, the motion to appoint the ad hoc committee. So there's going to be two motions. First, let's vote on the ad hoc committee, please. All votes are in. Motion passes 6-0 to approve the ad hoc committee. And second, I will entertain a motion to uh, adopt the process that we have discussed here and that has been recorded by been recorded by the clerk. Councilmember Bowen. Got a motion from Councilmember Bowen. And Councilmember Ballou. Second. And I've got a second from Councilmember Ballou. Motion from Bowen, second from Ballou. Seeing no one else on queue to discuss, let's vote. All votes are in. Motion passes 6-0. Thank you, Council. At this point in time, let's move to item 14. Um, council request to schedule agenda items. Do we have any at this time? So seeing none, could we please have any council member reports under item 15? Council member Bowen, please. Yes, I'd just like to um, report that on January 24th to the 26th, I attended the League of California Cities Mayors and Council Members Academy in Monterey. Um, it was not sunny. Um, it was rainy the whole time, but um, the Academy did cover legal, financial, and practical fundamentals for elected officials. And um, sessions included um, city council's role in land use planning, legislative updates, and how they impact local jurisdictions, and how to comply with complex open government laws. And so that was really helpful to be there and to engage um, with other electeds throughout California. Thank you. Councilmember Ballou. Thank you. It's uh, it's not really out of order. I just wanted to say that last week, first of all, I want to say Happy Lunar New Year to everyone who's going to be celebrating that in the next week or two, or already maybe has started. Um, I also wanted to say that I had a chance to meet with Shirley G, the Vietnamese American Community Center Chief Executive Officer. They moved from Oakland to San Leandro, Pier 198, East 14th, and that is a nonprofit on the move. I was very moved by what I saw there, and I, I know that you had a chance to go there as well, Mr. Mayor. So, um, at, at a later date. So I just wanted to report that out. I think we need to keep them on our radar because they're going to be doing some good things for our community. Councilmember Azevedo, please. On January 18th, I attended the EBDA Discharger Authority meeting for um, a commission meeting. And we discussed different changes that are going on with that they're fixing the roof and they're doing different, different um, repairs to the buildings. Thank you. Okay, so at this point in time, I'll quickly report. I went to the U.S. Mayor's Conference, spent time with various agencies, Department of Transportation in particular, also with the State Department to talk about some of the challenges that we are facing uh, internationally. Spent time at the White House, which was quite satisfying to hear the president speak about a variety of domestic matters and the progress that, be, that is being made in terms of funding. Was also at the League of California Cities, uh, the speaker series were were quite good. 
Um, last but not least, spent time at BACMED at the Bay Area Quality Management District. We had our annual retreat where we refocused uh, particularly on environmental justice. So speaking not only about clean air standards, but how we apply those clean air standards and what it is that we do to make sure that we're driving, pushing forward on environmental justice issues. At this point in time, what I'd like to do is revisit our public comment and thank our public for waiting. It was incredibly important that we uh, iron out this D1 appointment process. And so thank you again, uh, for your patience. So at this point in time, what I'm going to do is kind of look at who we've got online. This is a good time to raise your hand. And just given the hour, I think we will just kind of play this by ear a little bit. Uh, let's begin with um, the three that we have there. IT, can you get the Zoom timer? Thank you. Ginny Madsen, you may unmute yourself. So hi, I'm proud to join with all the residents who spoke tonight about Chief Pridgen, but especially want to echo the sentiments of fellow Unity in the Community members, Charlene Grant, Bernard Ashcraft, and Fred Simon. The hiring of a very diverse cohort to the police department and the Black History Month proclamation ring hollow in the absence of Chief Pridgen at SLPD. The hiring of Abdul Pridgen as police chief was a very important step forward for San Leandro. I had many opportunities to hear him talk at council about policing, perspectives, policy, and plans. He increasingly gained my respect for his position. I grew to trust him. Trust is most important in policing effectiveness. As you have heard tonight, Chief Pridgen had the same effect on many different San Leandro residents. There are many who believe that he is who San Leandro needs to head the police department and his unexplained abrupt removal is more than suspicious. Residents need to know what is happening. If Pre Chief Pridgen isn't back soon, we want to know why. The lack of a report from the city manager on this after six months is really problematic. How this looks to the public is very important to San Leandro's reputation. This is important to San Leandro. Thank you. Thank you. David Maragni, you may unmute yourself. Hello, I am actually in line with everything you've heard about the handling of Chief Bridgen's position. I also want to really emphasize that in public forums, the city manager and the mayor have always stressed that there would be transparency and accurate and timely reporting back to the community. This is glaring with those kinds of declarations. There has been none. And the city council does have the ability to push this thing forward. And we're at a place where this needs to be done for our community, for the chief and his family, and for the sake of honesty and transparency. Thank you. Audrey Ewart, you may unmute yourself. I'm also in synch synchronicity with the statements that have been, been made regarding Chief Pridgen. 
I am in support of his being re returned to his position. Um, I, you know, it's very, the transparency is an issue. And I note that in, in 2011, the, the San Leandro Police Department adopted six pillars of character, which they deemed as ethical values to guide their choices. And these, this, these six values came on the heels of an apparent campaign against Officer Jerry Duane Stancil by certain then members of the police department and their police union. Parenthetically, Stancil was cleared of the allegations against him. The six ethical values are trustworthiness, respect, responsibility, fairness, caring, and citizenship. I propose a seventh ethical value could be added, the value of transparency. The lack of transparency surrounding the placement on leave of Chief Pridgen is deeply concerning. Coupled with the prior unethical conduct of the parties involved in the Stancil case and the rumor that the Police Officers Association has lost confidence in Chief Pridgen, can we have confidence that the six ethical values are being followed? I hope that the investigation into Chief Pridge's alleged condition uh, actions being conducted by, I think it's Kramer Workplace Investigations, be concluded swiftly and fairly, and that he's cleared to resume his position and his duties promptly. This has been too long. Thanks. Thank you. Mr. Mayor, there's no more public comment. Okay, so with that, I will close public comment. I know uh, Councilmember Simon offered a little bit of comment earlier today. I don't know if there's anything else that council members would like to add. I'm not asking you to, but if there's something that you'd like to say around the totality of this. Um, seeing nothing, then I will just add a simple comment, which is we are obviously very sensitive to uh, this, this notion that we might be hiding something inappropriately. Uh, as you know, I did investigations for many years. When you're dealing with personnel matters in particular, there's extreme sensitivity, and you want to make sure that everyone's rights are protected, particularly the rights of the individual employee, and not afford the, in, that individual uh, the protections that they are afforded by law actually creates great jeopardy for the city. So we're trying to walk that line of of being empathetic to the residents' needs, which is for information, while at the same time um, behaving legally responsible and not violating uh, the chief's rights. So know that we are in uh, ongoing communications with the chief and that uh, we, we would anticipate continued progress. With that, I will adjourn our meeting. The time is 9.03.